stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking bags. Welcome back. This is Stagging Pennies. I'm Corey the Joy with all three of my friends. Mr. Ryan Flores, Pit Road Boats and Woes Analyst. Happy to be here. Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes Jonathan Merriman. Sounds good right about now. And, you know, we're in this reconfiguring mood, right? Everybody's so pumped up about this Atlanta repave and this reconfiguration. We thought we ought to reconfigure the studio a little bit. Now sure. we got Chuck Bush in the corner. And I can look him right in the eyes. Next we, gen We setup. reprofiled the yeah. studio. No, we too. reconfigured it. Okay, we reconfigured it. And you know who we didn't consult? Nobody. Because we can do what we want. <laughs> hey, to. yeah, this is NASCAR. Can you guys work on narrowing me up a little bit? <laughs> Getting a little wider. That's why we brought years. the narrow chairs out. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Fill it out. Oh, God, let's just stir it up oh, right geez. from get the that start. going, yeah. Let's just stir it up. We got a bunch of stuff to talk to and get into before we even touch on that subject. And I wanted to, I just want to not breeze over Saturday afternoon, because old Daniel Hemrick, my buddy Hot Shoe, was close to getting him another one. I think he's, like, finished second, I don't know, two or three hundred times by now. And his teammate wrecked him. Damn near killed him. Well. <laughs> Let me tell you what. Hang on. Go ahead. and. I was going to say, you told me ex- exactly what happened there getting the one. So, if you, if you notice during any sort of race broadcast, if you're running, you know, in the middle of the track or lower, right there after that second dog, like, there's a real big dip in the, in the asphalt. So it just was the worst possible time because you don't really – you can't see it, but you obviously feel it when you go over it. And when they, those leaders hit the bumps, it was right when Kyle had the momentum to get to his left rear bumper. So the 18 was still light and trying to settle down before the corner, and it just turned them the right way. So it, if that it, racetrack would have had more banking, it may have caught It probably would have held them in there held a little them bit. In there yeah. Bit, yeah. Or if it was repaved, it wouldn't be so bumpy. That's it probably wouldn't be bumpy. You know, the track wouldn't be coming apart. But uh, It was just getting a head start on the reprofiling, you know. They were, you know. They already they didn't have to take out, you know, that was a 1.5 square foot of uh, asphalt. They didn't have to already yeah. take back up. Makes total sense. <laughs> but uh, I hated to see that for Daniel. And, you know, we talked about it last week. You rather be lucky than good sometimes. Kyle Busch was in position to uh, to win that his hundred and second Xfinity Series race. That's just and he's I got done. a hard time counting up. Is to that it? Two. Says he's done. Says he's done. Samantha mm-hmm. says he's done. So if Samantha says he's done, he's probably done. You know Do why Hemrick was in the position to win that race in front of Kyle? Because he was getting it. Because he beat him off pit road twice, boys. Mm. That's because he didn't hit any of his pit crew guys. Well, he's got the eleven pit crew. Well, and we're, don't burn up all the pit road boats and woes. Hey, I'm just telling you. Um, cause I had a couple of woes myself on national television. That was sweet. We'll get into that here later, Chuck. But, Do uh, we think that Kyle Busch is in fact done with Xfinity? I know he said it and no, uh, you don't think he's done? No, we thought Dale Jr. was retired. He comes back every you know, three times a year. He's like, I'm going to sell t-shirts and run Darlington. How long of a break does he take? I think he, only if they build in like a sponsor agreement for the team or something, I think he'll like if, if, if Hemrick can get a sponsor, but they say, hey, we want to be on a KB car once, maybe. If we continue to add, if we, if NASCAR continues to add new tracks and venues and street courses and dirt races, Kyle Busch is going to take the advantage and go run on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. You can't uh, keep. He's going to be like Michael Jordan. I think he's going to go play baseball a little bit and then get tired of it and come back. <laughs> come back. He might, go, <laughs> he might go try to pedal cars. Maybe he's going to yeah. do like a Looney Tunes or whatever. I wish. I wish he'd take two or three years off and let everybody else 
try to uh, move up a couple spots. But uh, I loved, you know, th- there's a, a, a meme that NASCAR chasm always tweets whenever there's Kurt and Kyle running next to each other. It's like the two bushes in front of a big house. <laughs> it's like I just think of between two ferns was that Galifianakis. That's what we saw this weekend. It was a bush clinic. And I and I loved it that Curtis won. Battle of the Shrubbery. It was good. It was hey, good. I'm just saying. On you, this show, you've been riding for the, the Kurt past, Bush train for I don't a know while. how many weeks. I've been saying, you know, don't sleep on Kurt. You have. Don't sleep on Kurt. You have. And guess what happened? People slept on Kurt, and he won. Hey, and they sold they sold his team this week. Him, his teammate helped him win. That's the second Atlanta race in a row where a teammate has maybe interfered, being a lap down, and uh, and helped their guy win. So. Uh, Kyle pretty upset with Ross there at the end of the race. He was. Too. Kyle was upset with everybody. You know, as soon as he just got to Atlanta and said, I'm just pissed off. Doesn't matter if I'm on Saturday. Man, he kind of went. You give that guy the mic in the stand with a little bit of confidence after an Xfinity Series race, and he was rambling on, son, giving it to the pavement, but uh, in more ways than one, pun intended. Hey, um, But he turns around, runs second. Let's just go ahead and get just dive right into that. A little teammate talk. Is what Ross did, not moving over for the leaders, holding Kyle up, allowing his teammate Kurt to catch. And then when Kurt passes him, Ross gave him the preferred lane. That is all Andy and love and war, in my opinion, Merriman. What's the point of having a teammate if you can't work Rely together? on him when – If there's the no teamwork, are, you're not a teammate. That's I mean, a look, thousand percent true. Kurt, Kurt wins that race. And guess who gets bonuses at Chip Ganassi Racing? The, the whole guys. damn organization does. Ross doesn't. Yeah. But no, but the people who touch Ross's car do. For sure. The people who prep Ross's car, they do. That is your job as teammates. So, in my well, opinion, it's not like if he would have wrecked Kyle or brake check Kyle or damaged yeah. the race car, yeah. over the line. Yeah. All he did was give Kurt the bottom. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, Ross has to race to stay on the lead lap. Yep. Right? If he lets Kyle go. It's sure and enough, the caution, the caution comes, comes out. out. Then you start tail end or you don't even get the lucky dog spot. It's hard to understand unless you really pay attention to it how much time you actually lose, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, well, just let the leader go. Well, no, the caution comes out and you're the lucky dog. You're 30 tail you're, end you're, lead Yeah, you're 20 or, spots further back than what you could have been with right. these restarts. That could be a difference of a top 10 or finishing 25th. For sure. So it's so important to stay on lead lap. But then if you get in the position, he didn't do it on purpose. It's not like he sat there and waited. It just so happened to yeah. be at the right time that Kurt called him like, hey, man, I'm going to help my teammate. I'm not going to help you. And anybody in the garage would do that. Toyotas would do that. The Chevys would do that. They have, right? We saw it with Joey and Blaney last time we were there. And that is that is just teammate etiquette. You're going to race the leader, right? If you're a lap down and you're not racing the leader, especially if you're a, you know, a car like the 42 or how, if, you're, if you're three laps down and you're doing that or you're two laps down, that's one thing. But if you're fighting the end of the race with 20 laps to go. To stay on a lead lap. You have to do that. Yeah. Do you so remember a couple years wrong. ago, a couple years ago at Daytona Talladega, the the manufacturer war kicked back up and they were like, you do not push another manufacturer. There were there were OEMs no taking difference. away sim time and company vehicles if they pushed another OEM to the win. There's, That's how far it There's got. no difference in doing that or then giving your teammate the low line. No. It's equivalent of a bump draft. For sure. Well, let me ask this. So, say... Kurt's leading the race and Kyle is fighting for that position and they come up on Ross Chastain. That preferred line, is he going to still fight to stay on the lead lap if it's Kurt or is he going to let Kurt go by? It changes. The the deal changes there. It's all situation. You you help your teammate win. It's just like what we saw with the 88 last week, right? The 88 or the 48. The 48 drives into his teammate, is getting a flat, 
dives the pit road so the caution doesn't come out to back the nine up, right? Like, you don't, you're not trying to win the race for your teammate. You just don't want to lose it for him, mm-hmm. right. right? So if you have something going wrong, if there's, if you're going to blow up with five to go and your teammate has a five second lead and your stuff's blowing up, hey man, we're going to pull this thing in so we don't take it away from our teammate because we don't want to be a late race caution that brings it out and ends up losing it for the whole company. So. Yeah. It's not it's not as cut and dry as being like they're not being deceiving or fixing the outcome of the race or scratching their arm and spinning out, which I'm still burnt about because <laughs> I was changing tires for Newman then. But uh, but it, you're gonna help your guy if given the opportunity. Thousand percent. There was nothing wrong with what Ross Chastain did. Now that also goes to be said. If the shoe's on the other foot. Kyle Busch is going to make his car as wide as a Pontiac back in the day of those Grand Prix commercials, right? Like, you you race people how they race you. It's just how it is. Some guy gives you – some guy gives you a little more – give a lot of the times you're going to give him a little more space, right? Some guy runs you tight, you're going to run him tight no matter what the situation is. So it's pretty much at the end of the day, Ross is justified in what he's doing and Kyle is justifiably angry at what Ross did. Yeah. Both, called, of the, both of those things can be true. It's called yes. racing. Right. Yeah, it's called racing. NASCAR. Yeah, <laughs> NASCAR. We are racing. Um, I am NASCAR. I can't help but just keep looking at the back of Chuck's uh, Apple computer and seeing if you, I, I'm wondering if you won the bid on that Union writ, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a Civil War, <laughs> a Civil War get up on eBay. Uh no, that that was a World War II one that I was bidding on this time. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a wind smock from uh, the British Isles. I, I thought about it yesterday. I got, um, I've been, I, I got, um, starstruck yesterday. It doesn't happen much, but I was laying in the pit box, rolling my shoulder out with a softball. I was just laying there. I was in a real precarious position and I've been binge watching Vikings, which I can imagine you playing a Viking growing your beard out and Bjorn that, what's his name? That kid. And I was like, he was like in our box. Hey, I was looking at you're Bjorn. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, cool man and i just kept rolling my shoulder and he was like all right and he just left it's like hey you're paul mccartney you remember that time that you did that album yeah that was good yeah i remember that time i felt like an idiot but i literally am binge watching alexander ludwig is who he's talking about i'm in the middle of binge watching it on the plane so like i watch it i'm laying there and i'm like hey man it was just timely so he was also in friday night lights i think wasn't he he's been in a lot of stuff he was in hunger games alexander ludwig what does he look like you know, liking. Bjorn. Blonde hair. He looks Bjorn. like Bjorn. Bjorn Bjorn. This guy right here. Never, yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah. That, yeah. Friday Night Lights, he's in there. But a lot of, that being said, a lot of famous people at the racetrack this year. NASCAR starting to get cool again. We saw it this week. Post Malone. Posty. We had a nice little music video at California Speed Auto Club Speedway with, we also know, we thought Collie Grayson purchased a 77 charter from Spire. It was not. It was Post Malone because he slapped that 77 on the side of that Bentley going around California Speedway looking amazing, Chuck. I mean, I thought that they were getting ready to run. I thought Spire was running in, like, the Bentley series somewhere. There's Is there, like, a touring car series? That no, NASCAR is starting an SUV series. A luxury oh, yeah. SUV series. <laughs> yeah. It's Bentley's Aston Martin. Does Aston Martin do a bit? Uh, Sponsored by I think Zales, they do. I think. I think it's the Zales SUV. Yeah, yeah. Some Audi, some BMWs. Marcus. Yeah. A lot of talk about new manufacturers. Maybe it's Bentley. Could maybe. Be. Maybe not Honda. Maybe it's Bentley. I mean, I'd like to see a Volvo in that league, too. It would huh. be fun. 
Like the a good Volvo. Volvo. Do big you hat, know that big Chuck, hatchback guy? Yeah. Chuck set a Volvo on fire in college. Yeah, yeah burn it yeah, to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Back to the music video. <laughs> As our young people like to say, did that song, Merriman, did that song slap or did it not slap? I have not listened to it, but I mean. You look like a guy that would not think that song slapped. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised. I listen to a lot of stuff. Hang on. I'll, I'll, when, I first, when I first watched the video, I think I was so like more captivated by like what was going on or what they were doing. And, you know, had, you had like. Bubba in there for like 0.4 seconds and then Denny had his quick cameo and they were in like victory lane fist pumping and I didn't really listen to the song and then when we played it I was on Sirius XM we did it for like an opening song and I'm like oh that song was actually pretty good so was it because like, I, I, and this is yeah. just me this is me like um, personally when I listened to it I was like Songs. They didn't. They didn't have rap in the 1800s where Chuck <laughs> likes to dress up and go. Back no, they were to, playing the flute yeah. or the drum, <laughs> fife and drums. Okay, and there were some bagpipes, maybe you know. Fife and drums yeah. could be your rap name. <laughs> DJ <laughs> Fife and Drums. That's his next. That's his <laughs> next uh, band name. I, yeah. I have a question. Do you think they consulted Post Malone before they reconfigured Atlanta? They should have. I mean, if they didn't, I don't know why they wouldn't have. You know. Now, are they going to be able to film all these commercials and music videos at California when they turn it into a short track? Well, not be even. That's better. the real question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's not enough room. Well, they can't but make it Daytona. The like biggest, they did for uh, um, what was that? Ford versus Ferrari. They made that was Auto Club was Daytona, Daytona Speedway for the huh. yeah Rolex. Yeah. yeah. My my real question from that whole deal is, did Post Malone really ask about Mark Martin? So. To the context behind that question, Denny Hamlin said when the, in his uh, you know media bullpen said that I think the only thing that really came out of that was Post Malone asked how Mark Martin was doing. Mark Martin, who is a notorious rap listener, he a uh, big Gucci Mane fan. Apparently, he's a Post Malone fan. Maybe Post Malone growing up was a big Mark Martin fan. Who knows? Who wasn't? Who? I oh God, I I love that old Mark Martin man. He retired like nine times. <laughs> You remember Not when they gave times. him and Rusty a rocking chair? Was this before or after the Viagra? This was sponsorship? this was Viagra days. Okay. Really? Uh, he was driving the six. They both announced they were going to retire at the same time, but this is before Mark came back. The, the first, third, okay. yeah, one of the times. Yeah, they gave him rocking chairs. I think at Martinsville, maybe. Fox did it. That's cute. Oh. Yeah, dude, Mark Martin's still getting after it. Oh. I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, great follow. Well, to put a bow on this whole Post Malone video, like, what do we think overall of the fact that you've got two stars of NASCAR in who is Post Malone is a well-known, established entity and name in Worldwide. the music industry. He's Worldwide. a huge poet. Like, you wouldn't even know it. <laughs> but how does like having a NASCAR drive two NASCAR drivers in a video like that, like? What does that say about? I mean, the golden era. You had Dale Jr. in a Jay Z video, and him and him and Smoke in a Three Doors was, Down video. That's what I was thinking about. Like, it brings me back to like you know early two thousands when Dale Jr. was in like Nickelback videos and like all uh, Three Doors Down videos. And it's almost like the the music culture, whether it be um, you know we've seen Pitbull is a is an owner with with Trackhouse. Uh, we've seen a lot of social. Uh, Country music guys really embracing a little bit more so now. I feel like over the last two years than in the last decade. So maybe NASCAR is getting cool again. Yeah, I think through the through the you know COVID deal and coming back and being one of the first sports that's come back and we've done a really good job. You know, uh, 
changing our focus to younger fans. And when you have a guy that he's probably one of the most well-known, most famous uh, artists of our time right now, when he's making a video at a NASCAR track with NASCAR drivers in it, man, it's, it's a win. It's nothing bad coming out of that. Like the song or not, it is a win. Yeah. End of the day, like I, when it comes to music, I'm a snob, right? But at the same time, like I may not personally like a song, but if you if it brings you joy and you like that, then hell yeah, man, go for it. It's good music for you. Yeah, the dog and, ear mantra. Can we be? Yes. Can, can we? Be we might not make good ear? music, but as long as you like it, that is okay. <laughs> we need to make a dog ear video, so I'll get some NASCAR personalities in the dog ear video. Could you get dog ear to sign off their license rights so we could use their music on the show for all the intros and outros? I mean, I could. You know, we. You could, know somebody? I know somebody. We could probably do something. Could they I mean, come in here and play the intros and outros live? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, it, if, we'll be like Jimmy Kimmel, like kick it over to the side stage. If we wrote it in this studio and recorded it on the equipment here, the NASCAR would own it. <laughs> Technically, like if we improved a thing in this studio and put it together in here because it was created on NASCAR property using NASCAR. Uh, so basically, we own half of Josh Christina's album. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wrote those and came in and he had to do a whole thing. That's so an inside yeah, joke. It was an old uh, show. But <laughs> talking so, about old shows, we're getting rid of the old shows in Atlanta, Chuck. Yes. That was a rough transition, but we're going to go with it anyway. Hey, like do you it. think Marcus Smith listens to this show? I didn't say narrow the racetrack, but I said bank the hell out of it. He probably did. You know, I feel like he doesn't have much going on, so he might could probably fire up Stack and Pennies each and every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very informational show. Yes. Uh, I saw Marcus in chapel this past week. Um, asked him about how interesting his week was. He seemed, uh, you know, Marcus is like, yeah, it was good, you know. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, that <laughs> was about all I got out of him. But uh, big news. And we've we, we have – it has turned into something that – I didn't expect it to, right? It's like there is a pew. There are two pews, one on the left and one on the right. And there are a lot more people spread out on this subject than I expect them to be. A lot of drivers are on one side of the pew saying that we should have some input on what do these tracks look like when they're reconfigured. And a lot of fans are saying, I love it. And there's a lot, there's not very many people in between. So I'm interested to see what y'all think. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's, I'm I'm in the middle. Like I'll just. Well, my thing is I, thinking of how to say this. The However, pe- you the, think. Don't even don't even put it through a filter. The, show. Yeah, the people that talk about that stuff on Twitter, right? Which is where the majority of that debate is playing out. Yep, it's an echo chamber. It is an echo chamber, and it's people that don't necessarily know all of the facts of what they're talking about. Yes, there are drivers that say they weren't consulted. Does that mean that every driver wasn't consulted? Like it. So I took one little nugget out of Denny's media bullpen that I agreed with. He said that the drivers haven't been told what the goal is. If the goal is to have speedway racing at a mile and a half, if they wanted pack racing, ask the drivers what it takes. Because if they want Two, two and three wide, you got to take horsepower away because you can't be lifting if you want to see literally 30 cars on top of each other like Daytona. So if Denny also said to the end of that quote, it's like the drivers will help you get achieve the goal if there was one set out. But it does seem to be a little bit of disconnect from the drivers and the sanctioning body, which do I think they need to be cohesive? Do I think they need to agree on all things at all times? No. Well, I'll, I'll say this much. There's 
that back part of what you said, that's not the stuff that makes the headlines. Right. No. It's that's it's the not, constructive stuff. That's, that's the, the stuff constructive that can, stuff. Right. The yeah. stuff that makes the headlines is like, oh, driver calls NASCAR stupid, mm-hmm. and then yeah. that's. I mean, you know. Yeah, that's that, that's the clickbait. I don't read, so wrong. I just assume that's what it is. There's people that get paid a lot of money just to talk about the sport, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at what Denny Hamlin, like like Mary, De- what? Well, no, but Denny Hamlin, like he is the head of the driver council. He he brings a lot of leadership into a lot of these meetings. There's, he, no, he's there's a, no such thing as a driver council. Whatever you guys call yourself. It's a group meeting. In your chat. group in your group chat. <laughs> it's a text thread. Your, your it's, a driver, text it's not really a council. Yeah, yeah, we send memes back and forth like we do. <laughs> what your do you, driver what's, group what's the group name? Drivers only. All caps. Oh, you don't have ooh. to be lonely. So <laughs> drivers only. <laughs> God, that was a good one. Uh, but anyway, Denny is chalk, chalk one up for blue t- blue mountain takes on the joke. Of Denny the is the leader of that clubhouse, is he not? He takes a leadership role in that. Yes. And and when you go to these NASCAR meetings about safety, and there's been a lot of stuff going on about safety about the new car. There's a lot of tension with the drivers in NASCAR with a lot of other things. So I think this is another thing that kind of they they bring up. There's frustration with. And then you look at, I, I went through kind of every driver's reaction that Gluck or one of them guys put up yesterday. And like, there's the guys like Chase Elliott that are like, yeah, whatever the track is, I'll be here. And then there's the guys like, um, like Harvick who like, it's hard to take like Harvick and Kyle Busch. It's hard to take anything out of what they're saying. Cause they're so far on the other side and they're just pissed off. Right. So well, like, how it's long like, are those guys going to be around? How much, how, how long is their future racing on the racetrack? That's a, that's a great, that's a great question. And also I do think it matters because you look at Harvick and, and he has been probably statistically one of the best of all time at this Atlanta configuration, 45 years old. So let me, let me even rewind this even more and get it out of like, he says, she said mode. The drivers love Atlanta because it takes a lot of discipline. You're working. The cars don't drive good. Even when they drive good, they drive bad, right? So, like, there aren't very many racetracks on the schedule, like a Darlington, to where it is your your window of finding grip is on a six-inch piece of, you know, a painted line, right? Like, it, you can tell real quick the guys who can hit their marks, who can wrap the line, who can handle a loose car. There's not very many racetracks like that anymore. Homestead's one. Lana was one. Now we're going to go reconfigure it to something that that degree of discipline is not going to come to an effect, right? So I think when you look at – when you ask a guy or you listen to Kevin Harvick's opinion, he was – he would make his hay as being the most disciplined guy, running the bottom, wrapping the line. And some of that art and some of that, you know, input from a driver is going to be a little bit lost when you when you just kind of – put some fresh pavement down and bank it four more degrees and lay your nuts on the dash and get after it. Like there's not going to be much discipline when it comes to Atlanta repave. I think that's where some of the drivers are a little bit, but the thing is perturbed, but the thing is like throughout NASCAR's history, tracks have changed. We have gone to different places. We have done different things like Daytona. Hasn't always been the start of the season, right? Like this idea of tradition. Has it we, not, Chuck? Rivers, Riverside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it used to be like second or third race. Yeah, yeah. The 500 was not always the first race. It is now. My mind is blown. And right we now. assume that, oh, well, that's how it's always been. No, that's not how it's always been. NASCAR has been constantly searching to find a good formula that works. And sometimes you got to switch it up because you find something that works and then it doesn't work after a while. Like Atlanta, the track is coming apart. You have to repave it. Well, and when you repave it, there, is it a, going to be the same track? There's a right. ton of bare aluminum there too. I think a lot of the frustration comes from what? Bristol. 
you don't see butts in seats like you do oh, in other oh, places. Yeah, I, I mean, I know kind of weird analogy you're trying. No, to I mean, but like, you know, it's like, are they mining aluminum? <laughs> no, no, they have an aluminum ore. There's a ton back. of there's there's a ton of of empty seats there. It lost a race for a reason, right? For driving driving wise, and the the going there to compete, it's a lot of fun, and we yes. it's a race that we look forward to. But when it comes to attendance, it hasn't been the greatest. It lost a race for a reason, mm-hmm. right? But the drivers are also a little bit upset because Texas was one of the best mile I have went to. It's let's, not as hang, good. Let's talk about this is the elephant in the room that I wanted to bring up, right? I think the drivers have looked at some of the SMI tracks of repaves and when they consider quote-unquote reconfigurations have swung and missed, yeah. right? T- they, to your point, took one of the best mile and a half on the schedule in Texas. It was weathered. It was bumpy. It had a lot of character. And let's just make turn one wider and flatter, and now the racing is atrocious. And then we have to put PJ1 on it to make it even remotely raceable. Then we go to Kentucky. Obviously, it has no races now for a reason because it was kind of a swing and miss from the jump, and then they reconfigured it, and it was a swing and miss again. And then there's another two aisles in terms of Bristol, whether you like the single lane, running the bottom, smashing people out of the way, or – we're going to make create good racing. We can have a top lane going like we have now. It's hard to really deliver when the fans don't necessarily some some people or a lot of outspoken people on social media don't necessarily value the racing essence as much as they value like that optical that short term we side by side race and smash into each other cars on fire and photo finishes. Who do you please? How do you please? And at the end of the day, I feel I feel like NASCAR is trying to, with what they're doing, find a way to appease both. Not please. Like, you're never going to make everybody happy. Like, that's just the nature of it. And my favorite story about Bill France Sr., when he was starting NASCAR, there's a story of him going to victory lane. Guy won the race. I don't remember who it was, but wins the race, shows up in victory lane without a shirt on, right? Bill France says... You got to have a shirt on in victory lane. It's like, well, it doesn't say anything in the rule book. I got it right here. It doesn't thought say anything this about was America. Yeah, yeah. Thought I thought it was America. You know, was I can do South- what I want. Yeah. Is, is that a South Park episode? I think it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I thought <laughs> this was America. <laughs> I can see that yeah. guy saying that. But then Bill France said, can I, can I see your rule book? <laughs> Wrote, must wear shirt in victory lane. <laughs> see? Says it in the rule book. Yeah. And that's who started and and organized this whole thing. That's the lineage of it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's sort of, at the end of the day, NASCAR's the sanctioning body. And they make a decision. Are they always 100% right on everything? No. But the needle keeps moving forward and moving in the right direction. Well, also, it's not, it's not cool to be a positive person on the internet. No. You have to be negative and rip stuff apart. I'm a race fan. If you want to tell me that you're going to install a racetrack, a dome over Bristol and put the racetrack on the top of it and we're going to race upside down, well, whatever. I'll try to see what happens. Yeah. I'm, you know. And then we can put dirt on it, too. We see put, if dirt yeah. sticks to it. Gravity, guys. You guys are forgetting gravity. <laughs> you big job, if you go fast <laughs> enough, if you go fast enough, hey, yeah. you can get up Ask there. Ask Daryl Altrip. Why don't we just build one of those big balls in the cage where people yeah, are? Bank uh, it and like it degrees. Is, yeah, bank it 90 degrees. And the first really... person that makes 500 centrifugal circles around, like a little clicker, and you click it. And, wow, wow, wow. and the other, <laughs> and then Marcus Smith's just in the middle, like, <laughs> yeah. Back, back Look at what I made. <laughs> back to reality. Are you not entertained? Like a bag of money. 
Go ahead. Oh, just, you were sitting back there. <laughs> yeah. What, so I heard I, – I listened to a lot of drivers talk about this this week. What do you think? I, I wanted to go back and look at how wide Darlington is because the, the narrowing of it concerns me slightly. Um, but doesn't that add to the discipline? Mm, no, because it adds – the, the wakes off the cars are going to be more – like you can't get out of a wake okay. of dirty air. Right? So it's not going to be Talladega – push in throughout the corner like it's just not going to happen because i think talladega's banked more than 28 degrees still too 30 yeah so you know did they go narrower because what they did in texas didn't work is that is it no no they they went really just narrower because they couldn't change the inside depth of the track right so to add banking you just got to cut it in yeah yeah so you know without doing complete infield reconstruction that's what they had to do and you're not going to move the outside wall right so that was kind of like we want to bank it we, i'm sure they looked at going 32 33 degrees but then the track would only be 20 foot wide or whatever it'd be right but um i don't i mean as much as i love the atlanta way it is now like i feel like the last two races i just kind of clicked on how to run the apron uh, it reminded me of a rockingham speedway where it's really worn out and you, you got to kind of, you can't really be aggressive with it. You've got to let it come to you and, and not overdrive it. But I'm all for change. Um, you know, I feel like if Marcus has a, he has a, a board around him of guys who, to, to Chuck's point, continue to move the needle of the sport in conjunction with NASCAR forward. Some of some might not be a home run and some might be a strikeout, but the needle is consistently going forward. And, I'm excited to see. It's going to be a physical toll on the body. The G loads there are going to be nasty when it's uh, if locked down. Can I still try to run 500 miles there once a year? I think we, I think we have Jeez. to cover one more base before we get to anything else. My favorite part about all of this is we're talking about something that we haven't even seen yet. Mm-hmm. Well, we you heard the same thing with the Roval. There's right. no elevation change. This is going to suck. One of the best races from a, a fan's perspective all year. I yeah. loved it. We won the first one. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's right. from your perspective. Hey. Yeah. That's a, but like, to me, that's the thing that kind of kills me about all this is like, we're complaining about stuff that we haven't seen perform yet. If it performs and it's not good, then complain. But like, if it, you don't know what it is. I also don't like, and I know we all here love eye racing. Let's, call it what it is when you have to debut a racetrack and you have a four car race talking about the hypotheticals of racetrack i don't know why it just instantly pissed me off because it's not like it's not realistic guys like how they raced on i racing is not going to be how it is in real life so let's back it down a little bit we'll call it like it is and let's just wait and see they're yeah. committed they're doing it yeah Let's not judge it before the things even happen. I'm looking forward to it. Now, what we have had enough case studies on for the last year and a half, maybe two, is our NASCAR and trucks do not b- belong on dirt. NASCAR and trucks? NASCARs, NAS trucks <laughs> so don't the, belong on dirt. The, the series that encompass the NASCAR brand. NAS trucks. At the top, at the top three touring series. NASfinity, NAS trucks. NAS Cup. NAS Arca. NARSAs. <laughs> Nar- they don't Narca. Be- 
Barca, let those guys do what they want to do. You know, now, they're kind of they're off the going to coin. They've been going there since like eighteen hundred. Let them keep going. No, because if we were racing East cars when you were racing, it would have been the dumbest thing that's ever been happening. For sure, just because <laughs> I didn't do but it. That racetrack is. No, we'll get off. Decoin. That thing is. What Knoxville? No, oh, coin. That's a it's a fairgrounds. It's cool. Yeah, it's huge. It's like Syracuse was. Yeah. yeah. How long is it? Our cars. Four mile. Yeah. Oh, the the problems originate because the cars are too heavy and trucks. They're just too heavy. They don't. They're not indicative to be racing on dirt. We've actually, I don't know, spent the last forty years on trying to, how to figure out to make these things go fast on an asphalt track in a circle, and you every advancement you make with aerodynamics and sealing up the windshields and all the stuff is counterintuitive to what you have to have for a dirt car. Well, you look at the dirt. Like, I went dirt racing on Friday night. I wrecked my dirt car on Friday night, right? <laughs> like, but you have, in the pits, there might have been 50 cars, right, that ran maybe a 25-lap feature. Mm-hmm. So the track, when you, and they go out and they groom the track, and, like, when you go watch a World of, world Outlaw race, right, what do those things weigh? 1,000 pounds? Yeah, right? 1,300 pounds. And they run... 40 lap feature at most yeah you're you're talking about 40 cars that weigh, that weigh 3,500 3, pounds yeah for 200 laps yeah there's no possible way that it's not going to turn into a one a one lane track right and, and you can't do it there's no way that you can do anything about it unless you turn sprinklers on or something can't, then it will just because the dirt's going to get packed regardless so so it's a great it's a it's a great concept. Now the only thing that would work is if they ran fifty laps at a time and went yep. out and graded the track or ran thirty laps at a time, went out and graded the track for the but sake then you of got time a they don't have forty five yeah, you got a forty five minute break in between. Yeah, if, and for what we got going on, even even you know, we've seen we've seen a lot of these full body cars doing it and it's just it's tough to make a great race out of it. You're not going to see what you go and see at your local short track. Like it's it's you're not gonna get the same fix because it just can't happen. It it is impossible to have multi groove racing on dirt. For a prolonged period of time, with what we've got, cars too heavy, tires get worn out. Why, why t- go to a dirt track? Nothing against any of the tracks that we've been to, whether it be Bristol, Eldora, or Knoxville. Go to IRP. Go to Slinger, like we saw. You know the SRX series. I know that's taboo to talk about, but they packed the house. And let's not worry about having ten thousand people in the stands per se. Let the car like you got to have cars. Jumbled up, smashed into each other. That's what we need. I also, thought Bristol worked. Yeah, I like, like Bristol from a from a fan perspective, not from from someone who has never it raced was a, a car nightmare outside of when you can't see where yeah. you're going. It's never a good time. They did a good job getting it back. Yeah, but from a fan perspective, being there and watching it, and then watching the races at Eldora and even the race at Knoxville, when I'm sitting on my couch watching that, I'm entertained. I I tuned in. I normally, you know, on a Friday night, what am I going to watch? Be, are you entertained because of the carnage? Got to be because that's the only thing there was. No, for me, I like seeing, like, I like watching the way the trucks kind of like fight in the dirt and like I'm watching the individual drivers seeing what they're doing. Like I'm watching it for that. The big wrecks at the, at the end, unpo- or pop, unpopular opinion, I don't know whatever you want to call it, but that's not just dirt in the truck series. Thank you. Yeah. That's not. That's like, disrespect. In terms, that's yeah. There, that's a whole other issue yeah. that I agree with that. You saw it at Darlington. Yeah. You saw it at other places because like, yeah. so Bristol dirt race. Yes, in the middle of the day when we raced that, like it didn't work then. But if you try that at night, it might be a little bit better. It will be better. And that was an that was an entertaining race. So to me, to say eh, it's not a like seeing those cars on dirt. Well, maybe and this is expensive as hell, and we're trying to get away from it. You know, 
Maybe you build a dirt-specific stock car that you race. Maybe this new car is better for it. Maybe. You know, like, I, I don't know what that, I don't know what it looks like going forward. Like, are there things that you can tweak with the cars and still run a stock car and have the best drivers in the world racing on dirt in a discipline that is run every Saturday night across the country? So we see the best guys running in all these great conditions. You get an idea of who's good and who's not, in my opinion, if you're running these different disciplines. It was still, yeah. I mean, I agree. It's people who can adapt the quickest. You know, it certainly uh, take to the newer road courses or be the street courses if they come up or the dirt car, like the dirt races. The mechanical grip was, you saw a lot of guys who rely heavily on aero grip, Stuart Haas cars. Uh, obviously, they got a couple rungs knocking out due to a couple new templates. But you saw the, the teams who are notoriously known for mechanical grip, Penske and Gibbs. And, um, you know, Hendrick, to an extent, dominate the dirt races because it's all about mechanical grip. It's not much aero grip. So, you know, cars just as important at Richmond as it is, I feel like, at the dirt Bristol race. Because all those guys, I mean, everybody on a Sunday afternoon knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say, you know, the reason that, like, we went to that dirt race and, and you hit on it. You know, we worked on it with Joey. Joey drove the dirt car and. I think one of the reasons that he even won that race was in position because he went there open-minded. Like, hey, I put the work in. I went and ran this modified. I'm here to win. Where a lot of guys were there just to, all right, let me get this out of the way. And really, it's what put him into the playoffs. And he has six playoff points because of a stage win and five more because of a win there that could change his season. So if you go, you know, these races, no matter where they put us, if they put us Chicago street course, if they put us at a freaking X Games track with a jump in the middle of it, people are going to go there and be pissed off, and people are going to go there and want to try to compete and win. And the ones that say, "Hey, man, yeah, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit the jump," they're the ones that are going to win. Yep. So I mean, let's let's hit this jump to pit road boats and woes, Chuck. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. I like the cut of your jib. Mm. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. And we're back. Time for a little Pit Road Boats and Woes with Pit Road Analyst and Front Tire Changer for Brad Kozlowski, Ryan Flores. I got asked what Boats and Woes was this weekend, and I said it really was just something Corey said the first time we <laughs> One did time. it. One time. It's kind of funny because – um it applies to nothing well no but like one thing that like pick your guys get a stigma for is like oh go get your boat go out on the lake 
you know, they, I don't, that's what it always was. Is that what they say? Road crew guys would get on pit crew guys pretty hard because they're always spending their, spending that pit crew money. It's going to run out eventually. <laughs> so, oh, but so I, I what, guess it does kind of apply. That's what I said. I said, eh, it's really just something Corey made up on the fly and it's kind of stuck. Yeah. I mean, I, I really got it from, uh, was it Step Brothers? Prestige. But hey, a lot of woes this week. Nine car. So, I'll tell you what, if I was in the nine position, like that is, you can't do anything about that. It's You've tough. got to get it in your box. Yeah. What is a tire carrier, like, does, it, does, the, does that front tire carrier or tire carrier in general know to, like, can they orchestrate or organize their, their leap different? Uh, no. So, we're, so, you can do it a couple different ways. So, that carrier, like, the, so. For those who didn't see it. Chase Elliott was pitted right in front of the 41. 41, yep. And when you do that, and they literally came in right behind each other, right in front. The 41 ducked in his box. The nine was coming around him. So the nine was kind of cutting it close because his guys weren't all the way out there yet um, just to get pointed better out of his box. So, And he just clipped the tire, and that tire got launched into the front changer, which knocked him into the car. Yeah. Now, a couple things when I watched it. There, there's a different, a couple different ways you can be set up on the wall. So like the way that we do it is Jesse's the last guy in the box. He's to my left, right? That's the carrier. Yes, the carrier. Um, the way that they do it, the carrier is in between the jackman and the changer. It helps the carrier get out there faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really should have helped in this situation because he's not, mm-hmm. you know, as close to to the nines pit box. Is that because you're a slower tire changer? Um, is that a jab? Yeah. No. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they, uh, so it should have helped. And that's, that's kind of the first thing I looked at, but then a couple of things the 41 could have done better. They stopped, he stopped deep in his box, d- not deep, but pr- not short. Yeah. And he angled out, which is getting those guys closer to the nine car. Yeah. Now I understand angling out, but if the nine car is working with you and they're going to stop a little long, yeah. which they should, you should be able to get out. You, you should be able to get out. There's yeah. enough room to get out, but Everybody looks at this like you can like their matchbox cars and you just put them wherever you want. It's hard to do. The nine car missed his box early, and we were just having this debate off air that the Atlanta pit road seems pretty slick. And I, I didn't know if it's because it's sealed over because they do drag races on it, right? So you seal that asphalt over, and then you don't spray the the stuff like the VHT on it like you would for drag racing. Yeah. So does that make it slick? You you seem to think that it's the hot worn out tires. Just the worn out tires, I think, because the nine missed his box. Before that. It's so slick because it's a combination of hot tires. You got hardly any rubber left in the tires whenever you come to get some, and it picks up the old rubber. So you you are one, you know, flinch of your right foot away from spinning out under caution because the cars are just that light because um, the, the tires pick up all the old rubber, and they're already hot and pissed off to begin with. So then you come down pit road, and you still you think you're crawling because you're going 45 miles an hour. Imagine going 45 miles an hour and trying to get it within a four-foot box, a parking spot, parallel parking on your left side. Yeah. And that's what it is. And one thing one thing that's made it tougher this year, I, I love pitting in Atlanta. Like, it's one of my favorite places to go. Uh, the boxes aren't super big. Um, they're, they're, it's easy to get to the car. It's always a little bit of a pit competition. But with the 550 package, with everything we've done as a sport, the field is closer. Um, and without, you know, with stage racing – Everybody tends to, you know, you see one car dive pit road, then everybody comes. You see the 18 car this weekend short pitted by one lap and got the lead. It's probably two and a half seconds. Different. Yeah, but there's less guys a lap down. 
So there's more guys pitting at the same time, yep. which is why we've seen a more crowded pit road and more people maybe getting hit. Two, a guy carrying two tires is a lot easier to hit than a guy carrying one, right? So he clipped them, that tire goes flying, and um, thank God everybody was safe there. There's nothing really, uh, I don't know, because I'm, I'm not a driver, I never sat there, but it's it's tough because Chase didn't know he was going to hit him. He just clipped that tire. Yeah. But you clipped that thing and it's going. Oh, it's got 40 pounds of air in it. It's going to yeah. bounce like a basketball. Yep, and they're, you know, they're seven, you know, 60, 70 pound tires, so... Yeah. Uh, thankfully, nobody was hurt, but um, that but, looked like it hurt like a son of a bitch. Nah, you got be, you got hey man, can't can't be a sissy if you're gonna do this job, right? It, we, we're not driving, we're not sitting there with air conditioners on our helmet. I know, it, bitch right? about how hot it is. I know. All right, we're out there. I wouldn't even know. Bring our lunchbox <laughs> to work, but but yeah, and then this like week the rock says, put your fun to wear on. This, this <laughs> week is gonna be another. You know, this week can be a grind. This week is a challenging pit road. This is a a challenging race with a lot of brake heat, a lot of brake dust. The sun, one thing that happens here, especially when we come this time of year, is the sun sets over the grandstands, and it tends to give you a blind spot on the left front, uh, like where it shines in your helmet, and which it, makes it, it hard to see. Reflects off the hood, probably. It's just I don't know, like the way it shines, kind of at the left front, is like it makes it really challenging to see. Plus the brake dust, um, and depending on what tire fall off is, man, it's going to be really uh, interesting to. Um, to see who comes out with it. We won last year here. We didn't have the greatest down pit road. We kept them up in the top three all, all day. But, um, but yeah, a fast car, and you don't want to take yourself out of it. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about before we got to that is how – explain how much the fall off was there in Atlanta because you did see the 18 jump to one just off of one lap. Mm-hmm. So well, why, why does that happen? So sticker tires, it was about a 32 flat um, – Lap the time. fast guys, yeah. I think Kurt, I was looking at the, the lap time graph, and Kurt on like a 3270 something. Um, the first two, they're really fast. So, you, I mean, you can hammer down and be wide open for the first two and a half, three laps. And then you start either whatever balance your car was prior to whatever it builds to, whether it builds tight or builds free, it'll start building it, right? Because you got a ton of grip yeah. there with the two or three laps, and then you have to start compensating with some throttle. Uh, and then start really wrapping the line or really trying to find that spot on the racetrack that your car was working prior to putting tires on it. Um, and it was, I think we were 33 80s and 34 flats somewhere in there. So it was almost a two, over a two second fall off. And I mean, that's a lot of time. Um, you know, you, you look at it like, you know, if you stay out three laps longer, somebody else, it's six seconds on the racetrack. And that's kind of what happened to us. We were racing around the 42 and we come in for the last green flag stop. The 42 ducked off four laps before us came out, and he was – I was in the middle of the backstretch, and he was coming off turn four, and you just can't make yeah, that up. No. Um, you got to answer right away. That's why you see right all away. these guys pitting in a one-lap window. Well, the tires fall off on like a li- like a linear graph. They don't fall off exponentially. It's not like you get to a point, and then they just nosedive. Yeah. So we split the stage in half, hoping to get the – get them on the back end of when yeah. those guys would fall off, but it never happened, right? So you lose the time, and you might be able to get a second of it back, but you can't make up from the front end of the run losing all the time. Now, there are some tracks, and I think I think we saw a little bit last week at the road course, where they fall off. There's like a five-lap window where they, they're good, and they fall off, and they stay kind of the same speed. Yeah. And that's something that, that happens probably more often than not, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they – you. I mean, the, the – <clears throat> That's probably something that's going to happen this weekend. 
Where are we going? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah, you'll have four or five, maybe eight laps because it takes about seven to eight laps for your air pressures to get to where you're not in the splitter and it drives actually good. So you'll hammer four or five laps there and then it'll slow down. Call it a second and then it'll stay there. Stay there. Yeah, you just lose the grip, but it doesn't really go away because uh, New Hampshire's not that not that abrasive. One thing in New Hampshire that we might see that we definitely wouldn't see at Atlanta is two tires. Yeah. So. You know, because we got the PJ1 in the bottom lane, middle lane's untreated, and then top lane. I think it makes for some pretty good racing there in New Hampshire. So, I'm pumped. One, I'm one pumped shout to get, out. Who? Go ahead. Finish what you're going to say. I'm excited to smell the New Hampshire air. Ooh. It's just cleaner up there, Ooh. man. I, it's a different t- – it's hot as hell up there, though, right now. It's going to be hot. That that northeastern heat is different. It's different. It's it different. It's different. But one thing – one shout-out this week in the one car, they have been maybe maybe – the best, if not definitely one of the best pickers all year. Underrated because they're not winning a ton of races. But uh, when you look at the graphs every week and see where everybody kind of ranks, they have been at the top, you know, like consistently in the top five and probably one of the best teams um, throughout the year. And then this week, RCR found some speed with the eight car taking the top spot. So uh, yeah. so a lot of, They've a lot been of crazy good. stuff going on. I think I said a couple weeks ago on the podcast, they haven't finished outside the top 21 since March. They continue that streak, so – um, which I don't know if that, I think it rolled over Chuck from, uh, from road America. I think they finished on the top 21, but who, who knows, but they've got some speed as well as Kurt Bush does. And, and that Ganassi pit crew, I know they work hard. We, we work out over there at CrossFit Vitality. So old Steve Pinkerton's got them boys tuned up. You, do you beat them in the workout? Who wins that? Actually, I won a workout with those guys the other day. Now I'm not sure if they were taking it easy on me or let me think that I'm better than those guys. Because those there's some big boys on that team. Oh yeah, and they know how to change four tires to put gas in a race car as good as anybody. So congrats to that Ganassi pit crew on a big victory at Atlanta. Now we're going to New Hampshire for who knows? Might get a little more pit road boats and this weekend. The Magic Mile. All right, guys, you better stick around because you will not want to miss this. We have the big time winner from this weekend, Kurt Busch, coming right up next. All right, guys, very special guest on Stacking Pennies this week, the big winner from Atlanta, Kurt Busch. Thank you for jumping on Stacking Pennies with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. You got it, man. Shoot, I thought I'd have some pennies in my pocket. I didn't I didn't bring any to stack with you. I hope you spent them all celebrating this week. What does 
Kurt Busch do to celebrate a cup win? Because as we know, and actually I don't even know because I haven't won one yet, but they come few and far between and they're hard to get. How does Kurt Busch celebrate? You know, it's uh, it's like a plateau. You jump on and you keep rolling with it. And there's not like a big moment of release or this or that. It's just appreciation. That's the biggest thing. Like Gear Wrench, this was their first win in the sport of NASCAR. And Rena, the girl that runs the whole program, Jim, the president, conversations with them and back and forth. Monsters like, hey, we, we were doing this. What's going on over there? And Chevrolet. Uh, it's it's just really neat to to tie it all in for everybody. I think that's that's the best part of celebrating is you just kind of keep it on a high. And then I got to tell everybody like Thursday around noon, we, we got to get back to New Hampshire. Got to get back to reality. That's right. You brought the word up and I want to bring it back up. Appreciation. Obviously, everybody in the industry uh, saw the, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Monumental news that uh, Trackhouse purchased Chip Ganassi Racing, which kind of left uh, your future as well as Ross is a little bit unclear. So how much um, did it mean to you and your team to give Chip that win in his final season as a cup owner? It was crazy, man. Um, what was it, two weeks ago or a week or so? I was going into the simulator to prep for Road America, and Chip calls me. Hey, what's up? Hey, Chip, what's up? Yeah, cool. Uh, hey, I sold the team. Uh, hey, we got six months together. Let's go kick ass. I mean, that's that's literally how the conversation went. And then once you sit back and really digest it all, you see people's livelihoods within the team on where they're going and what's going on. And I just try to do my best to, to rally everybody together and say, let's focus on this. We can be winners. We, we can make something big happen here in the last little bit of, of Ganassi racing and NASCAR. So I embraced this challenge. Matt McCall did. And here we are. We're winners now. Uh, and it's just a, a unique feeling that we we have, but we still got to keep going now all the way through the playoffs. There's a couple different ways I wanted to take it, but I'm so intrigued, man, by like how long your career has been and how long you've been consistently a winner in the Cup Series. And you mentioned that you were going to the simulator. I'm sure you use that often. But what does – it's it's way more than what talent can do to keep you in the sport for as long as you've been there. What are some things that, that you continue to work on, continue to learn in the sport that keeps you motivated to keep getting after it each and every week? You know, I, I think it comes from the work ethic that my dad instilled in Kyle and I when we were, you know, just before we were racers. Uh, just being a, a prompt person that shows up and, and gives 100%. Um, I think the, the key thing, though, through racing is adaptability and, and being fluid with not getting stuck in certain trends. You know, like uh, I, I remember winning a race at Michigan with Jimmy Fenning in 2003 at Roush, and we had a 1,400-pound right front spring. And we both looked at each other like, yeah, it's probably the last race that we're going to win on a traditional right front spring. We got to go to coil bike. And then we perfected coil binding and won the championship the next year. And then when I got to Penske, certain things happen over there and you trend this way. I trend that way. And you just, you got to continue to evolve. And that's, that's something that I don't know where it came from, but it, to me, it's exciting. It's like, what's the next chapter 
to be able to find success in the next year. Speaking of the next year, slightly bit unknown. What we do know is NASCAR is going through a whole new brand of car. Everything we've had, all the notes, all the stuff we've learned from migrating from a 1,400-pound right front spring to a coal-bind right front spring to a bump-stop right front spring, throw all that out. Now we're going to a next-gen car. You've driven that thing several times. You've been probably one of the most uh, most outspoken guys in terms of just how to make this thing a good race car. So how do you anticipate uh, just, I guess, the next phase of NASCAR in general, not just Kurt Busch, but the next phase of the sport? Yeah, hey, don't put all that responsibility on me now. I'm trying I'm trying to help the car evolve. And we've had a, a 4,400 pound right front spring in that car, and it's oh, just yeah. touching the bump stop. And so we're still waiting on all the, the rules packages, um, the, the dual exhaust, the sequential gearbox, independent rear suspension. There's so much fun and intrigue with this new car. Uh, I'm just hopeful that it's able to adapt to all the tracks, you know, like Daytona is way different than Martinsville, the road courses. I think the cars can be great on road courses. It's just a matter of it all coming together and fitting. And I don't know. I just wanted to volunteer myself to get the most time in it. A to get a one up on you and the rest <laughs> of the competition and B to challenge myself on. Yeah. I pretty much want to stick around because I'm a racer. As if Kurt Busch didn't need a leg up on me to begin with. He's already testing that thing and running the wheels off that next-gen car. Don't worry. I'll catch you up. Don't worry. Okay. I know. I know, Kurt. Now, so we talked about the car. Now, we know Kurt Busch is going to be behind the wheel because you're not ready to give it up yet. I know you put this cryptic video up the beginning of the year with your plane sailing off into the horizon. We all know that's a load of shit. You're going to be driving in the Cup Series next year. If you had to pick what number is going to be on the side of Kurt Busch's car, what number is that going to be? I got the best number out there. I'm already winning before the race even starts. I'm number one, man. Uh, the video and everything we had uh, down in, in Key West, that whole trip, man, that was a three-year vision of mine to drive a real bona fide NASCAR car, full horsepower, on open roads. And then at the end, yes, it says shifting gears. And yet I kind of leave it in there of, it's all about racing. I'm a racer and I'm so happy. Like these last few weeks that we have fans back, we're doing stage events and autograph sessions and things are back now to somewhat normal at the track. And that's, uh, that's drawing me in. Well, uh, we'll see what next year brings, man. But I don't, I don't have a deal signed yet. Uh, the track house thing changed the way the Ganassi structure was was being chatted about. And then, uh, yeah, 23XI is out there as well. So I wanted to bring it back a little bit to a question that um, you could take it a little bit different way. So you've seen all the phases since, I, what's that, Gen 4, the old school cut bodies with, you know, when they started getting all gnarly and twisted up. And then we went to the COT days with the wing. I feel like the fans have seen an evolution of Kurt Busch uh, through that time at Roush, through your time at James Finch, through that time at Stuart Haas and now Chip Ganassi. What are some things that I think you're 42? 
So yeah, you're you're throwing down the age on me. I got you. What, I got you. I'm not pointing out, but you are old. Only uh, 13 years older than I am. But uh, who's counting? <laughs> um, what would 42 year old Kurt Busch tell 20 year old Kurt, Kurt Busch today? It would be pump the brakes a little bit. You don't have to go so hard all the time. Um, man, I was I was just hell bent on winning every race, uh, telling everybody you know, what they did wrong or, you know, whether it was my crew or other drivers, like just pump the brakes and find a little bit of what it takes to be that, that next level. And that next level is, is guys like Tony Stewart with being a three-time champion, Daryl Waltrip, uh, Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion during my era. Like, he's just always chill. I mean, he's always cool. Uh, Jeff Gordon, four-time champion. For me, I, I wanted all that, and and it's there. It was, but yet I'm satisfied with with how it's all worked out. So can't complain too much, and I can't point too many fingers at my young self because it all worked out all right. Is it true or is it a little bit exaggerated? They had a guy at Roush that would fix your cabinet doors that you'd rip off every week when you were pissed off. <laughs> there was a couple doors, but it wasn't like a fabricator that was designated to it. But yeah, I think it was more after qualifying, man. I, I don't know why I was always hell bent on qualifying up front. I, but yeah. I, well, I mean, you know how important track position is, but I think it's also you're so ramped up. That's what when people ask what I miss about like there's not much that I miss about a three-day weekend, don't get me wrong, but it's the qualifying. It's that amped yeah. up like your nuts on the dash for one lap, get it all you got, right? And if you don't lay a lap down that you expect to, then you get pretty frustrated. Yep. And right now it's like we're qualifying on a couple of the mile and a halfs where it's wide open all the way around. Yeah. So wait a minute. No, we, we shouldn't have that easy of a lap per se, or maybe my car's just handling good, but it, it's that, yes, you're exactly right. We're missing that aspect of Friday or Saturday, throwing it all out on the line. Um, I've got 28 poles. I want to get to 30. So I need two more, and then I'll be in like a 30-30 club or something. Are you just going to make that up, make it, make your own T-shirt with that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You can help me. <laughs> I'm sure the fans would buy a Kurt Busch 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. 30 over 30 <laughs> uh, T-shirt. But before you go, Kurt, I appreciate you being candid with us on Check Pennies. But every guest has to do a little bit of would-you-rather questions. Are you ready? Uh, sure, shoot, yeah, my self-service is getting bad, but okay, all right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Dial in the bunny ears a little bit because it's gonna about to get pretty crazy. All right, bring it, buddy. Would you rather wreck your brother at the All-Star Race for a million bucks or for a championship at Phoenix? I'd wreck him at the All-Star Race for a million bucks. Why is that? I mean, money's money, right? We all want it. But championship and the ethic of, of protocol is something that uh, I respect a lot. That's that's fair. Who would you – now, this one wasn't wrote down. This came off the top of my head. Who would you rather not be a teammate with, your dad, Tom, or your brother? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad is one of the most – I mean, he's smart. He's eclectic. Like he gets it. Like he'll still give me texts on a Sunday night on why I screwed up during the race. Like he's that smart. So I would not want to be teammates with my dad. 
All right, that that's fair. And I can only imagine the team meetings between you and Kyle if you were driving the same team. That poor competition director. <laughs> Last, I pity the I pity the fool. Pity the fool that wants a competition direct for y'all. Last question. If you had to pick one car and one racetrack, anywhere, any car in the entire world to race after the rest of your life, what are you going with? Man, I, I'm gonna take my Tony Gibson special when I won the Daytona 500 at Daytona. That car was stuck like glue. It had fuel mileage. I could pass whenever I wanted to pass. Like it was one of those feelings of don't screw this up because the car is that good. And there you have it from the man himself, the outlaw, Kurt Busch. I appreciate it jumping on stacking pennies. Thank you, my friend. All right, guys, we're back with a quick little heads or tails slash jackpot races. We are going to the magic mile this week, Merriman. Who we got? Group one. Larson, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, William Byron, Chase Elliott. How, how are we not in group one? Who is we? Pinsky? The two car. We dominated this race last year. Yeah. That's last year. He gets year. around there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's forgotten about. Hey, it's the last race we had there. Um, you know, I, we can keep beating the five drum, but they were awful. But this past week, what happened? Picking Hamlin. Hamlin gets around there good. Yeah. That's a tough group. I'm going to stick with the five. I'm going to go two, four. I'm going to go pick. with the 18. Good Ooh. pick. Good good picks. Although I would like to see Denny and, and the lobster again. Uh, I mean, that's that's always fun because he's not a fan of the lo- – like, it's a giant it? bug. <laughs> Wait, it is. Last year we were all but nervous. But their tails taste so juicy. So good. All right. Next group. Joey Logano, Martin Truex, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman. I'd take the two. <laughs> But I hear the tire changer <laughs> sucks. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> <laughs> you never what are you old. doing, Corey? You, you I'm trying the tire to post an is? Instagram story. Oh, I thought you were Googling the tire changer with the two. Damn. <laughs> it's Ryan Flores. I'm taking the two. Okay. And we're going there I mean, for blood. As confident as he sounded, I'm going to go with the two as well. How is Kevin Harvick in this group? I don't know. Hot he's been running like, he's running like a soup sandwich the last six months. He was not good at Atlanta. This past week. So. No, he was not. You know, I'm sure he would have loved to be in contention there for the same spot as his first ever career cup series. You know who else wasn't good? Any of the Hendrick cars. That's Kyle fair. Larson not getting laps coming to the checkered. Bowman's Where'd he finish? Right. Top five. Did he? Yeah. No. That's Bowman finished good. fourth, yeah. He yeah. gave me he gave me the bird for about a lap and a half. Did you, what'd you do? I was driving, man. What do you mean? I was running the bottom. I guess he wanted the bottom. And apparently he thought I held him up a little did bit they longer tell, than did they, they, So. Does that get like transcribed to you? Like, hey man, give the forty eight the bottom here. Sometimes it does, but apparently they didn't ask for the bottom, so I just kept doing my thing. And he was about eight car lengths back and he just like stayed there for like eight laps. I don't know if he was just stuck or what, but he went to the top and then he caught me in and I gave him the bottom. And then he maybe, flicked me off for two laps. Maybe he just doesn't like boss baby. <laughs> maybe like, maybe this is our worst movie car. ever. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I like the def- different streaming apps. <laughs> I don't like Peacock. <laughs> yeah, Alex Bowman was not happy. I don't know. Mm. Whatever. Well, maybe right. maybe it was from our run into the Bristol Dirt Race iRacing. You know? Uh-huh. Could be. I feel like we still have yeah. some, some animosity there. I think I'm going to take the 22 good out pick. of that group. Okay, sure. All right, group three. Christopher Bell, Ross Chastain, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick. That's I tough. mean, you got Curtis coming off a win, riding that momentum. Let's hammer the one. In that group three. 
I'll go Redick. I like Ross. I think Ganassi, they got their team sold. Maybe they'll go on a tear here. Yeah, I mean, both of them guys essentially, you know, Junior might have said on the broadcast that Kurt might know where he's going, but, you know, essentially those guys don't have a ride. I loved that part of the broadcast where Rick Allen is like, he could be racing for a ride next year. And then Dale's like, well, I think he's probably got one locked up. He just ain't said anything yet. It's like, okay. And that rumor is, and it's fairly public, it seems like Kurt Busch is going to look at a second car over a 23XI racing. He just wants to be the how, next Post Malone video. How Dude. savage would it have been if they announced it in a Post Malone video? That would have been sweet. Oh, yeah. He's going to be driving the 77. It, or it was actually like a sequel. Remember that video that Kurt did at the beginning of the year where like it, it finishes with his jet taking off into the horizon mm-hmm. with the sunset? It's like a monster thing down <laughs> in the Keys, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and like he ta- he's driving his car over one of the bridges, and then yeah. it ends with like, I might not know where I'm going. But I got my jet to take me to the I don't know what it was, but can I just the say sequel this? is? Hang on, the sequel. Let me finish, Chuck. Uh-huh. Oh, he lands the plane at Auto Club Speedway on pit road, wearing that twenty three xi fire suit. Mm. They and missed some, the boat. Some sweet Jordans. Some Air Force Ones. Yeah. Yes. What's the right way to say? Is it twenty three eleven? Twenty three XL? Twenty three xi? Is it just twenty three? Just say Jordan and Denny's team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I. I do want to say this, though, about Kurt and his emotion after getting out of the car. What's great? Like, I like this Kurt, this Kurt Bush, because it seems like, one, he's enjoying what he's doing. He, When it comes to testing the new car for next year, he has been at a couple of those tests and has been, like, just Johnny on the spot with information and, like, hey, we can do this, we can do this, because it's like he's towards the end of his career and he sees what his legacy can be. Hmm. And it's just kind of a, it's cool to see guys. It's next gen Kurt. <laughs> it's next gen. We're seeing it unfold before our eyes. There's... But it's cool to see like he is almost taking it all in. He's got a composite body too. Yeah. There's no doubt that Kurt Busch is one of the, is a supreme talent, but he just cannot, it, it is also known that he has not been able to harness it in himself. I know, I know a lot of people that have been able, that have worked with him. I've never worked with him myself, but I heard that it, can turn into a nightmare, but when he's on, man. Yeah. They said he would rip doors off the cabinets in the lounge whenever yeah. he had a bad race. I mean, there's the New ha- there Like, this is why I might not take Kurt in New Hampshire because there is, I think it was New Hampshire, where uh, he had his tirade on the backstretch. The, oh, yeah. yeah. I don't see any damage. That's because it's on the right front. Or something like that. <laughs> I know. And he just yelled F on the, in the radio. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I YouTube, know guys that, who Hang won on. Races with in them. addition to YouTube, if, you're, if you opened up YouTube, just – just look up Kurt Busch radio transmissions. Yeah. There is some gold gold on there. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I love what he has given the sport over throughout his career. Yeah. Like he has been, I mean, Kyle too, like they have given some moments that's like, yeah, that's a clickable moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, Supreme talent. Yeah. Yep. When he, when he's on, when he's on. Yeah. All right. Group four, Benedetto, Almarola, Busher, Suarez, Stenhouse. Do not pick the 99. They cannot get their stuff together right now. Yeah, they've Lord. had a couple bad weeks in a row. Um, Benedetto is the best best guy to pick. He, right I, I feel like he's racing for a job, too. I mean, people. he is in the position to either find another ride or maintain the seat that he's in, and it's going to be, you know, it's the hot seat right now for old Matt Benedetto. So he can maybe uh, solidify himself for a couple more uh, – you know, a couple more races. He's so taking the he 10. I'm the taking 10. the 10. Ooh. The 10. The tough part is the like, 10. The tough part, I think like the 99, you know, they're going to they're, they're gonna have a little bit of fire under their ass because the team that they're taking over just won. 
but they're going to be in tough spots. They finish like crap. They're going to have a bad starting spot. They're going to have a bad pit pit stall selection. You know this yeah. is a place where track position matters. Track position matters. But being mired that far back, you could come up with some strategy. Maybe get a little bold, a little strategy. Mm. So I, I mean, they've been good at you know short track stuff, Bristol dirt race stuff like that. Seven fifty package. They've been pretty good. I'm looking for a top fifteen this week, Chuck. Feeling good about it. Sure. I like it. Got a lot of laps around old New Hampshire. I love going up there. Uh, nice. That is that is one of my favorite tracks to go to. Yeah. yeah. The modifieds. Yeah. You know, modifieds. Uh, the ground pound. I'm a modified guy. Big modified guy. <laughs> Big modified yeah. guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never ridden one around uh, old New Hampshire, though. I've been there with a Corey NAS a couple mod? times, and I thought we were going to get into fights. Yeah, that's it's, another song. That's, <laughs> that's another, that's another, story that's another Corey story. The thing I love about New Hampshire is like you got the Canadians that come down. You got the like all the different like it's all these different like hill people from the Northeast that just come out of the. What you call hill people? There's hill hillbillies, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the people of the hills that come down and like I love like how they bring their wagons and they lock their wagons oh, up have. out. So, like it's such a their wagons. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's, are you talking about a reenactment? Or no. You about New Hampshire? <laughs> no, I'm I know what New you're Hampshire. talking about. It's like there's like a whole fence where their wagons yeah. are locked. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it, it, like New Hampshire. Have you ever seen it? New Hampshire. Hampshire. If you pull oh. in when you pull into the track and you go through like I have a warrant security. out for my arrest in New Hampshire, so that's why. Would you get amazing. a ticket? Never. He took. He took live <laughs> free or die way too seriously. <laughs> I hey, you got a ticket and you never paid it. I've never been to New Hampshire, so oh. <laughs> that we know of. That we know of. Well, we had a pit, couple pit road boats and woes from Atlanta, and we'll talk about some next week stuff here in New Hampshire. So take to st- blah, 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 blah. do your pick up there, but let's uh, just wrap the show. Yeah. Well, so, so the jackpot will be the last part. The, yeah, that'll yeah. be going into spare change because we'll put boats and woes after the opening thing. Okay. So what do you want to hear right now? Um, do we have any just spare change things? Uh, we can talk about Austin Hill winning the truck race. Yeah. yeah. Talk about uh, the excitement he had. Yeah. He was really excited to win. He, he's a cusser yeah. on the radio yeah. when oh. he wins. He, he just lets it out. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of ah, that shit, ah, that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corey, do you have any spare change? I've always got some spare. You got change. some spare change in your pocket from all the stacking pennies that you've been stacking. We've been stacking a couple. Not a top twenty this week, but a strong twenty second for as atrocious as we were the first race. There, we threw out that setup. We came back with something different. Uh, we beat a couple guys, beat the ten, beat forty three, raced with those guys all day, and finished right behind. Rosswick Chastain. Uh, I had a couple people ask. So, apparently, so what had happened was when the race was, we apparently had a lug nut off. And in the team, the team that Ryan works for, they don't care about a 10 grand fine because they'll just leave that sucker off and keep the spot. They got plenty of pins. The team I drive for, they would rather me pull in the pits and put a lug nut on, even if just to make sure that all of them run. To, to not have to do it to get a 10 grand fine, right? So our plan was we just got lapped by the leader. So our plan was to duck down pit road as the leader crossed the start finish line for the checkered, right? So you didn't lose all the time from the rest of pit road and around. Not sure if that's legal. Didn't say anything that it wasn't. So we did that, come in, zung a lug nut on that thing. And I'm like, all right, do we have to finish the lap here? And Sparks is like, yeah, go, keep digging. <laughs> and Kurt's like, I'm literally roasting the tires off pit road and the one team celebrating in their pit box. And I'm like, all right, like these guys are just partying already. 
And I'm down the backstretch grabbing gears. And half the field's got their window nets down. They're like throwing their water bottles out like it's over. And I'm like, are you sure that I could, like, I got to start past the start finish line? And it was like a couple seconds, like, well, I think so, but maybe not. And I get into turn of three, like, big arc, turning it down the hill, like hauling ass. And Sparks is like, well, I guess you don't have to. So past start finish line, TV crews out there. And I was like, <laughs> wheel hopping it, sliding, lock the right front up, and I pass like I pass Kurt on the outside. I'm like, yeah. looking like a damn imbecile. <laughs> so I thought you were just really excited that he won, and you were gonna go like ask him, hey, hey, can you come on stacking pennies? This no, week? I was trying to keep my spot. I don't know if the race was still going. I had no instruction. Gosh almighty, I was going for it. And that's the spare change. Let's throw a shout-out to Austin Hill winning the Knoxville Dirt Race. How about uh, that shit? How about that shit? <laughs> He's a, he, he gets fired up on the, on the radio. I got a little bit of a somewhat of emotional connection with Austin. He bought all of my K&N cars back in the day. So we got a little tie there. He raced out of our shop. So it's cool to see old Austin Hill how running about, good. How about the kid getting spun out by two different people on a cool-down lap? Can't say I've ever seen that before. He, he really made some people mad. He made – he didn't get wrecked by one guy on the cooldown lap. Derek Krause got wrecked by two people on the cooldown lap. Saw, That's how you know you're really getting after it. <laughs> I saw Kyle Strickler today. He raced. It's like the, the, the second guy too. He had to be like, "All right, let me just wait till he gathers it up." <laughs> 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 I thought a tag team. I yeah. thought people were just kind of roasting that kid, and I saw Strickler today, and I'm like, "What happened at the tr- dirt race?" Because I was running my, you know, my dirt car, and he's like, "I got wrecked." Like by who? He's like Derek Krause. He literally wrecked everybody. And yeah. I'm like, oh, like I thought they were just he just kind of people were just piling on him. I guess he had a pretty rough night. He was getting two at a time. Like he would hit the guy in front of him so hard that guy would hit the guy in front of him so hard they both. <laughs> but did he track. win? Didn't he win both stages? He won both stages. Kind of uh, flat left rear. Oh, so he was coming back. Like yeah. A bit. Okay. Yeah. Like so he was a little Teddy bit. Christopher mock run. Yeah, just carving eyeballs out. But people yeah. weren't too happy about that. You'll but you could that. be too happy. If we we'd be super happy if you just subscribe and give us a five star review, what do you think, Merriman? I'm here for it. Rate and review and I. Man, you didn't uh, you didn't give us enough blue out and takes this week. Well, you know I was I was hitting on all eight. I think this <laughs> you were. I guess we'll have to tune in he, next week. Stack of pennies for some yeah, blue man. out and takes. Beer he took swarm. a week off and he I comes did. back strong. Caught a four pound bass on a My Little Pony ride. This week. <laughs> I saw that. That was pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Not, not joking. <laughs> what bait were you using? Uh, well, that was a long story. If you want it, I'll tell it to you real quick. I heard it was master. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that's it for Stacking Pennies. Talk to you all next week. <laughs>